Like, even when I was in the rug burns, people used yeah. to say, you guys have the nicest slam dancers. Like, people that would get up in the mosh pit. You have, like, the nicest mosh pit. Somebody could get knocked down. They go, I'm sorry. Are you all right? Like, I, I don't know. I think everybody that, for whatever reason, has been drawn to what I'm doing is a cool person. Hello and welcome to the Ear Fuel Podcast. As always, I am Joel Freemark and you can follow me on Twitter at at Get Ear Fuel and at The Daily Guru. The podcast is available at SoundCloud.com slash Get Ear Fuel and via the iTunes store under Ear Fuel. What you heard at the top was part of my interview with the always entertaining Steve Poltz and we'll get to that conversation right after we check out a brand new record. This week, I want to dive into the forthcoming album from the group Eerie Wanda, and the record is called Hum. Now, I got an advanced copy a few weeks back, and I instantly fell in love with it. Instantly. That rarely happens to me. But it did with good reason, as this is one of the most gorgeous, dreamy, get completely lost in it albums I've heard in a very long time. It's got heavy elements of dream pop running throughout, and for those who can't place uh, the dream pop genre, think Mazzy Star, Jesus and Mary Chain to an extent, Belly, all sorts of groups can fall under there, and all of them are very, very good. But let's not pigeonhole Eerie Wanda into just one thing. They have a strong foot in the psychedelic, and they have this uncanny knack for writing hooks, uh, both musically and lyrically. It's very, very impressive. Whether it's a slightly lazier pace like on the song Mirage or there's just this infectious groove on Volcano Lagoon, then you've got great harmonic hooks on songs like I Am Over Here. I just cannot express how much of a pleasure this album is from beginning to end. But I'll tell you, while I was listening, the word retro kept popping up in my head, and especially while I was writing. I just kept writing the word retro, but it's different kinds of the meaning of retro on different songs. Some of them have a Motown-era girl group retro sound. Some kind of have that 60s jangle pop retro feel. And then there are some that feel... I don't know, like a dark noir soundtrack, I guess that makes sense in my head. But when I say retro, it means retro in every possible version of that word. There's just this realness, this this passion coming from every aspect on this record. And you can really feel it. Each musician is injecting so much love and artistry into every song that you can truly, really, you can feel how much they love creating music together. It's very, very cool. And it rarely comes through this strong. There's diverse rhythms to keep you engaged from track to track, and the guitar work is just as good when it's a fuzzed-out psychedelic swirl as it is when it's in more straightforward moments. But for me, the vocals here were nothing short of enchanting. They've got just the right amount of reverb and modulation, and it's been a really long time since I heard a voice so perfectly match the sound and feel of a band. Honestly, I can't say enough about this album, and I know it's going to be a major contender for my album of the year at the end of the year. So do yourself a favor. Head over to beyondbeyondisbeyond.com and grab the brand new record from Eerie Wanda. It's called Hum, and if you get it on vinyl, it is this gorgeous blue. Oh, it will make your day. Totally worth it. You're welcome. Moving on. For more than two decades, Steve Poltz has been one of my favorite musicians. From his songs that combine heartbreak and hilarity like nobody else, to his live performances that are always on the right side of Unforgettable, he is truly one of my favorite humans 
ever. At some point near the end of last year, I have no idea when it was because nobody really does, he finished his most recent record. It's called Folk Singer. And he kind of decided not to tell anyone about it and only sell it at his shows. To, to be completely truthful, I found out this record existed because a friend of mine who's also into Steve posted it on Facebook, and I saw it there, and I was I said to him, I said, is there a new Pulse record? He said, yeah, he's only selling it at shows, and we actually talk about that in the interview, and, and he gives his theory behind it. I, I managed to catch up with Steve before he took the stage here in New York City the other week, and, and even after what was a crazy day of traveling, a last-second video shoot, all this stuff, Steve was still in top form, so sit back and relax and get to know the one and only Steve Poltz. Uh, an odd place to start. Have you ever considered how many shows you've played in your life? Because wow. you tour relentlessly. Why don't we say that I've done, let's just say I've done 200 shows a year for 30 years. Is that 6,000 shows? Yeah, there you go. That's and that's not even, that's 30 years. I'm 55. Right, so. yeah. And, and there were shows before that. But I'd say, how many did you say again? 6,000. 6,000. That's if, That would be a fair assessment. If, if my math is that's right. That's lowballing it, too. 6,000 shows. At least. Minimum. Yeah, that's uh, that's a conservative estimate. And I'm a conservative. And I'm you're a conservative, conservative kind of guy. This country needs. So when you look at a year, do you kind of say, you know, here here's where I want the tours to fall, or here's where I'd like to visit this year? No. I wish I did, and I'm going to start doing that. I'm going to start saying, leave me out of snowy areas in the winter. Sure. Because there's enough places to play that are, have... If I wanted to, I could chase autumn year-round, because I like autumn the best. Yeah. I, I don't know why. I just like it, because I don't like spring as much, because it's leading into hot weather. Uh-huh. I like autumn, because it's leading into cold weather, and the leaves are changing. It'd be nice to chase autumn, for, just for me personally. And autumn always means, like, all these holidays are coming up. You know, pretty sure. soon you got Halloween, you got Thanksgiving, you got Christmas, and everybody's kind of in a happy mood, usually. And there's, like, a sense of anticipation leading up to a new year that's about to begin. Yeah. So, But you travel all the time. And you've I been do. doing it for a very, very long time. Um, you have, I guess we'll get to this first, you have this... I don't want to call them a cult, but you have this very devout following of people who have kind of come to know each other and and uh, through you and your music over the last, you know, 30 years. How does it feel to be a cult leader? <laughs> well, first, drink this Kool-Aid and I'll answer you. <laughs> I drank it earlier. Um, I don't know. You, you just you have this very unique following. <laughs> it's 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 one of the most loving, beautiful groups of people who you know. The second you meet someone new, it's like you've known them forever. I think I'm very lucky that I surround myself with good people, and I think really nice people are drawn to my music. Like even when I was in the Rugburns, people used yeah. to say. You guys have the nicest slam dancers, like people that would get up in the mosh pit. You have like the nicest mosh pit. Somebody could get knocked down. And they go, I'm sorry. Are you all right? Like, I, I don't know. I think everybody that for whatever reason has been drawn to what I'm doing is a cool person. Like, uh-huh. I, I don't know. Everybody gets, they meet each other and they plan trips. And um, that's like the best legacy you could have. I know when I'm dead one day, which we all got to die. Eventually. Yeah. People will go, you know what? That guy brought us together. If it weren't for him, I wouldn't know this person. Exactly. And that, to me, I know people will say that, and that's all I can ask for. That's mm-hmm. the best. And at the same time, so, you know, you basically... Cue to me dropping dead right now. Wah, Boom. Wah. And that's the interview. The last words ever. 
So do you kind of know when you're going to certain cities, you're like, oh, you know, that person's going to be there and that person. So it just it kind of makes the touring a little bit different. You don't I don't know, maybe get as lonely as some people do when they're on the road. Every city. I think I know somebody like, uh, for instance, coming up in about a week and a half. I'll be in St. Louis. Mm-hmm. And I know for a fact, my friend Eric Rudiak moved from Chicago to St. Louis mm-hmm. and he's come on my songwriting retreats that I've taught before and he's brilliant, but his kids are really cool. And I taught the, his kids. I made up a day called tractor day. Okay. And I said, I acted like it was a bigger holiday than Christmas. And I said, do you realize, I don't know why it just came out of me. I said, do you kids realize it's tractor day tomorrow? And I was going to be staying in his house and I bought him these toy tractors sure. and so they really believe there's a holiday called tractor day <laughs> and so like it's neat to see eric and hang out and talk to him and i know like i'm gonna see you joel mm-hmm. when i come to new york and suzanne mitchell and sure it goes the list goes on and on it doesn't matter the city mm-hmm. i've made friends everywhere from here to melbourne australia to peterborough australia to london england to uh glasgow scotland yeah and there's always a friend that i'm catching up with yeah it's pretty cool yeah yeah, you know, you, you mentioned uh, songwriting. You have a ridiculous output of songs. It, it seems, I don't think I've ever seen you when you didn't have a new song or five to go. Yeah. Are you constantly writing? Well, I think so, yeah. I like, I really like to just make up and create little ditties yeah. about things. Yeah, yeah. so... And I have a huge well of songs to choose from at shows, so it makes it fun because I think always like, hey, what haven't I played? And there's always some consistent things depending mm-hmm. on what stage of my life I'm at. If I'm promoting a record, yeah, I'm lucky in that way that there's always something to talk about or to write about because it makes it interesting for me. And when you're, when you're on stage, do you just kind of whatever song you're feeling in that moment, that's what you go for? Or do you kind of have a general idea um, before you start playing? Um, I never really have a clue. Like, I never know even what I'm going to open with. Uh-huh. I usually just walk out and then I go, a song will happen. Uh-huh. It's like I get into automatic pilot. That's when I feel I'm at my best sure. is when I'm on stage because there's no interact and no distractions anymore. And I'm just like in the moment and I get to play a show. Mm-hmm. It's usually fun. And sometimes I'm like kind of tired before a show and I think, oh, God, I, I don't have my... I don't have it in me to do this. Sure. But then I do something on stage that makes my body make a drug. And then the drug kicks in, which is like an adrenaline. Mm -hmm. And it gives you, like, you don't really have to go have a cup of coffee before you go on or a shot of espresso because your body will make that drug for you. If you go on stage and do something ridiculous, stuff just starts to happen. It's really cool. Uh With kind of with the songwriting, the last few albums that you've put out, um, they've been... A little different in terms of the release. You know, the accident, all of a sudden, I remember you just posting and you said, hey, I have a new record. Here it is. And with Folk Singer, uh, you really (laughs) didn't tell anybody that you released it. Um, I had to, I don't know if you know this, I sent Rob, when he saw you, I think in Texas, he grabbed a copy for me. Oh, wow. Um, Yeah, because, so is is there a reason you've just been kind of been like, here's a record. I'm not going to tell anybody. It's called the (laughs) anti-release, the anti-release release schedule. Uh Uh-huh. Okay, here's the thing. The accident was done. I was excited. Yeah. Then I went in and made another record that was supposed to follow up the accident, and I didn't put it out right away. It's sure. I have it. It's called the Claims Adjuster. Okay. <laughs> and it's sitting there, and I was about to put it out, and then I got off the road, and my friend Jeff Berkeley said, hey, come over and record a song. So I did, and then I go, oh, I should make a record. So I just started recording a record, and I go, I want to put this out 
right away, but I don't want to put it up online. Uh-huh. I want to make it so that it's just like not a release. And I just go, I show up at shows and I go, oh, yeah, I have this record out. And people go, I have to have it. And they buy it like crazy because I go, this you can't get this online. Yeah. It's like only you can get it is at my shows or if you buy it and mail it to somebody. It's so dumb. It's like the anti-release. But part of me is like, I feel like people don't appreciate stuff as much as they used to because it's all free. Yeah. Like you can go on Spotify and hear every Grateful Dead yeah. show sure. in existence. Sure. And you can go anywhere and just, and in a way, it's like it adds more value in my own crazy mind, and other people would say, you are an idiot, and that's fine, but uh, it won't be the first time I've been called an idiot, but the way I look at it is, it's really working. I'm selling so many records, because people show up, and I, I say on stage, this is not online. Right. You can't even get it online, and other people go, that's dumb, though, and I go, there's enough of my records up online. You want to hear them? Hear them. If you want right. this one, buy it tonight, and then I'm going to finally put it up online. It was like my anti-release release schedule so it will be up within the next two weeks i promise you part of me was getting overwhelmed with things you saw what it was like you've been hanging out with me today yeah i my schedule is non-stop yeah like non-stop till i lie down to go to sleep and um it's not slowing down it's getting crazier well well good i mean you know you 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 certainly have more energy than most people i know and and i think i think there's something to be said for your anti-release that you see a number of artists keeping their albums off of streaming services for a number of different reasons. I don't know if they all have the deep-rooted philosophical thought that you had of, you know, hey, people can have something tangible and it's something special. A lot of people are just saying, I don't make as much money when something streams or I don't make any money when something streams, whereas when people buy your CDs, although, you know, your your fans, we will buy stuff. Yeah, regardless. I don't really have a problem with all the streaming services uh-huh. like a lot of musicians do. Like, I really love... Uh, David Lowry from Cracker and yeah. Camper Van Beethoven. He's been always been one of my favorite songwriters. I, I know I'm going to meet him one day. I can just tell we're destined to be friends. Uh-huh. But he's really anti-Spotify and, you know, got a lawsuit going. And I figure people like that will take care of it. Whatever's going to happen sure. is going to happen. I don't want to get involved in all that. The way I look at it is, look, technology's here. It would be like me standing on a street corner telling everybody, you have to use a typewriter uh-huh. and mail this letter. Do not email me. People would just laugh at you. So the, my reason for doing it is a little bit different. Not yeah. that I'm not going to make money. It's just that I feel like it's made it kind of going on a scavenger hunt. I yes, need this indeed. record. And indeed. it's gotten demand up because people are going, dude, I need this record. And I go, oh, yeah, I'm going to put it up. And I just say that. And you think I would go, oh, like well, I'll send months. you it. I kind of like making it hard to get. I don't know why because I don't care that much. No, I think it's great. There's really... no method to what I'm doing. I just don't care. And I tell people at my shows, if you want to film me, go ahead and film me. Put it up on YouTube. I don't yeah. care if I screw up the song. Put anything you want up. If you buy this record and you want to copy it, copy yeah. it. I don't care. No, but I, I like it. I actually, I, I found it funny that I had to have somebody <laughs> on the other side of the country go to, to grab a copy and, and, you know, well worth it. And um, I like Normally it. you'd have a publicist ramming it down your throat to get you it and pushing it upon you. Right. Can you talk about this on the day it comes out? Could you print this? Could you run this? Yeah. yeah. Me, honestly, Joel, I don't care. I've done this so long. Right. I just think it's funny and it's quirky and it fits me. Mm-hmm. And so... That's how it is, but it will be up. And then I got to put out The Accident. Uh-huh. And then, I mean, I have a lot of records out there, and then I need to just go work on another record and come up with some ideas. And You know what I've never done that I really want to do? Hmm. I want to go somewhere for a month and write a record. 
like, like uh, go with what I do ideas. is I collect songs yeah. and I go, oh, this will fit with this. This will sure. fit with that. I want to go and go, I can't use anything that's been written. Mm-hmm. I have to write a record while I'm here and really force myself. I've never had to do that. Yeah. Like I've heard about bands going in and having to write lyrics on the spot. And I want to go in somewhere beautiful and just start writing a record. Yeah. And have it where I'm not online all day and where I'm just away from things and unplugged from the world. That'd be nice. That That's kind of what I was going to get at was, you know, since you constantly write, what, what, it, what is there, you know, what, what keeps you inspired to write? Right. The thing that keeps me inspired to write is having deadlines in the song game that I do with Bob Schneider. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That keeps me inspired because if I have a deadline and I have to finish the song, then that becomes a habit and you can get out of the habit of turning your songs in too because you're on the road a lot and that. So you got to like, it takes 21 days to make or break a habit. Mm-hmm. So if you were to even just, if you were to wake up every morning, this is what they say, I think in the artist way or something, or maybe a writing handbook, maybe mm-hmm. Stephen King said it, I don't know. You take a piece of paper, you fill three pages of paper mm-hmm. every day when you wake up longhand and just write anything like this wallpaper in this room is sure. kind of ugly. I have to go over there. I need to make a tea. I have to go pee. Oh, I did not call my mom today. And it's just, it can be gibberish, anything, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. But if you do three pages every day when you wake up, you it it's almost like doing calisthenics and your mind opens up. And I believe the same thing with writing. If you were just working on a song every day, some are going to be good and some aren't going right. to be good. But you're going to stumble into things that you would have never done because how they say nothing ventured, nothing gained. So. Yeah. Yeah. Have you noticed uh, changes over the years in how you write or what you write about? I think when I was younger, I may have had more of an edge. Uh-huh. <laughs> You, you think you've lost your edge? No, I don't think I have. Okay. I think I still have my edge. I just think like, I, yeah. I think I've gotten um, more brave as I've gotten older to mm-hmm. show a sensitive side and to not be afraid to let any side I have show. Mm-hmm. Like, I think in the past when I was younger, I would have been a little bit reticent to maybe totally show a loving side because cynicism was in. Okay, sure. And it was in fashion, and I didn't want to be too sweet. I think as I've gotten older, I really don't care what mm-hmm. anybody thinks. That's the benefit of being 55, soon to be 56, is I, I wish somebody had told me that a long time ago, that you just won't care. Sure. And that's the best thing. That's so freeing, because I wish I could have felt this way in high school, because I really cared. You know, I wanted to be cool, and I wasn't, and I wasn't in the coolest group, and I, was, I went through puberty really late, and mm-hmm. I really wanted to be cool you know i was i wasn't hanging out with the football team sure i was on the wrestling team i was a 98 pounder (laughs) that's a big difference you know i mean it's it's funny when you say you've lost your edge and i think you know just off the top of my head um you know there's certainly stuff on the new record oh yeah um, i haven't lost my edge right where you're like that that's pretty harsh lyric and you know but I, I, i will say there are some more um socially aware songs you know i mean even going back a couple records on uh I think it was on traveling or on unraveling Street Fighter's, Street face? Fighter's face, yeah. Which you know was was uh, you know and that that had a number of kind of anti-war. Same with rioting, songs. the yeah. Rockburn song "Rioting in My Front Yard." So, um, do you have to be in a specific mindset to write that versus you know some of your more, you know, something like "Everything About You" or you know "Want My Friends to Be Happy"? Kind of a more 
uh, introspective kind of loving song or do they all come from the I same place? I feel like I just stumble onto songs. Like there's one on the new record called Lake Wishigan. Yeah, which is great. And um, I feel like I just stumbled upon it. I just, the song title was Lake Michigan. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then I was just like, I just for some reason went, I can only believe again if you take me away to Lake Wishigan. And I changed it to Lake Wishigan. I didn't plan on it being talking about everything I did. Mm-hmm. So the way I write it just goes, I can only believe again if you take me away to Lake Wishigan and I end up on a trip again and I hope I don't get sick again. I'd love to take that trip, but I never really believe I can because of all the troubles in the world that make me lose my tan. So that, I was just like, oh, cool, kind of free form yeah. rhyming. Yeah. And then I went, oh, troubles in the world. Where does that lead to? So the next verse, I am just a frozen man floating in a frozen can and the news is full of lots of sleaze. Makes me panic till I wheeze. I can always walk away. I can leave as early as today, but I got cards right up my sleeve and I can be your best friend that you call up when you're angry. You say, Steve, 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 Steve. So the cards up my sleeve were like these thoughts, these maybe these political thoughts. And mm-hmm. then that leads into on the TV, they were yelling and the candidates sure. weren't yelling. And that's just because all these debates have been going on. Yeah. And I watch them and so that's how lake wishigan was born and i just go boom there's a song done and i don't even know when it's good when i'm done i go and i'll sometimes say to somebody is this good <laughs> you know because i'm not sure sometimes i might be sitting sure. on something that could be really good yeah and then other times the stuff i think is really good somebody can say one thing to me and i think god i guess that's not good like that was a bad idea yeah maybe yeah. that was a bad idea so I, what I try to do is not ask people's opinions and just write just what I want to do. And then later I'll play it. And if they notice it, mm-hmm. then a lot of times they'll say, oh, my God, I loved that. Or I'll, one that I think they're going to say it about, I'll talk. I'll go, hey, did you hear this song that was about this? And they're like, yeah. hmm, yeah. I guess I did. No. Yeah. no, I'm not that into it. And I'm like, you're not? It's like one <laughs> of my favorite songs I've ever written. Like I have this song that I wrote that I am so into. Yeah. And it's on 9099 and it's called dog in bosnia i adore that song you do when you you posted it years before on your website yeah and 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 i have that version it's actually on my ipod because i ripped it from your website nice um i love that song cool love it i think it's on two records yeah yeah you've got two versions two different versions version and then that's how much i love it i recorded it a bunch of different times. I am a fan. Away. So oh, if you're good. about to talk about how nobody likes it, I'm spoiling your party. Oh, good. I'm I glad. No, I always am like, I wish somebody would request you, that song. Yeah, you you, uh, you teased it earlier at the winery. Yeah. 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 I love that song. I don't know why I love it. So I think I love it because I love dogs. The imagery's great. And I love the idea of a dog looking at a cat yeah. that's teasing it. And it's kind of a lonely dog. Sure. And it's raining in Bosnia. I, I see that, you know, dogs in the window looking at the cat. Yeah. yeah it totally works. So. Good, good, good. Okay. Um, we're So speaking, of, uh, jumping back a bit. So the Wolf Blitzer song on the new record. Yeah. What, where did that one come from? That came from my friend AJ Croce. Okay. And we have writing sessions. Right. I went over to his house to write a song and he just always says, I got this one idea. Or I'll say, hey, I, mm-hmm. I'll come over with an idea, like a half-assed song like maybe a line and a chord structure sure like i have this idea it would be kind of like t-rexy and blah 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 you know what i mean or something mm-hmm. so i went over to his house and he goes i got this idea it's what it is is it's mr blitzer wolf or man and then he goes i don't know and we would go oh and he goes he has a chord <laughs> structure and i go oh this is awesome he goes i knew you'd want to write this and then the words just start coming out of me and, and, and of AJ. And it's like, Mr. Blitz, a yeah. woeful man. Isn't he a dapper Dan from Tanzania to Sudan to Japan? Night and day on yeah. CNN. Oh, ooh, ooh, ooh. 
it's it, yeah, it's it's a very unique song, and I, I was just like, that's okay. We're gonna have songs about Wolf Blitzer now, but <laughs> but you know what? Maybe he doesn't have many about him. So he needs to hear it. He does. He, does. he would like it. We we should make that. Don't happen. you think he would like it? It could be the new theme to Wolf on CNN. Oh, that'd be cool, yeah. Daddy O. That'd be neat. Yeah. So the new record is called Folk Singer. Correct. I'm and so was there a point where you? realize you were more a folk singer than you know because like with the rug burns it was obviously a lot more rock and roll styled um and over the years i don't want to say you mellowed out because you have not my friend but uh you know your 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 style has changed it's you know there's more of a country western influence and more folk was was there a point where you just kind of said you know i'm digging this more and jumped in that direction yeah that's my answer that's it good answer. okay <laughs> next question <laughs> the world's worst interview no Maybe. Could be. Possibly. That's that's a thought. I'm not sure. Um, yeah, what it is is I uh I think like I always loved Hank Williams. Yeah. Who doesn't? Yeah. And so I would listen to all that Hank Williams and I loved this band in San Diego called the Beat Farmers and they were like alt country before yeah. alt country even was happening. Yeah, absolutely. And I love all that seventies country. The years, you know, all the stuff Merle Haggard was doing and Willie Nelson and Towns of course and all them. Towns and yeah. Johnny Cash. And so I always was a fan of that. I, I don't know, like there's artists that I really love because they've grown old in a beautiful way. And I will mm -hmm. give you an example of one. Uh, John Prine. I just saw John Prine play on Halloween and mm -hmm. I went to see John Prine and Chris Christopherson at the wow. Civic Theater. Now, Chris Christopherson is very sick, yes. kind of getting, yes. I think... I don't want to say anything out of school, but I, I guess dementia. It would seem so. And it was one of the most powerful things. And I've talked to other people that were at that show going, that was the worst show I've ever been at. And I can't understand how everybody today is so, like there's so many mean people like online, like, yeah, that was the worst right, show ever. Yeah. And to me, it was so raw and real and powerful. And two of the greatest concerts I've ever seen, one was Ricky Lee Jones have a nervous breakdown on stage because she was heartbroken over a breakup and walked off stage and said, I can't do this. Wow. And the band didn't know what to do, so they start playing jazz songs. She came out a half hour later and finished the show and was fine. <laughs> Chris Christopherson, when I saw him, he put the wrong harmonica on. He mm -hmm. couldn't find the wrong harmonica. And then he sang that song, Loving Her Was yeah, Easier yeah, yeah. Than Anything I'll Ever Do Again. And he got to the end of it he goes, because loving her was easier than... Ah, shit. And you just strummed the chord wrong. Yeah. Just went in the next song, and it was... I cried. It was so beautiful. It was yeah. so real, and that's all I want in an artist. I want to know that it's real, and John Prine is real, and he's got this ah shucks attitude, and mm -hmm. anybody who wrote Angel from Montgomery and Sam I mean, Stone yeah. and um, Lake Marie is like one yeah. of the greatest songs ever written. Yeah. Do you know that one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We were standing, standing by peaceful waters. Yeah. Oh, my God. I mean, I'm so lucky to have been alive. I, there's so much music that I love. Like, right now, I'm totally into the dead. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, it took a stroke to get me uh, to get me into the dead. Not a stroke of luck, but a real stroke. No, like stroke. a literal stroke. <laughs> like, I was never into the dead till a year yeah, ago. Yeah, And I had a stroke on stage, and I went blind. And I went into the hospital, and I canceled a bunch of shows you're not blind anymore just no we should just put that up yeah then my vision came back and when it did i i, I had trouble reading mm -hmm. the letters and i was confused and since the stroke i've been a bit more in a daze not a uh -huh. huge daze but like kind of like a little bit more dreamy sure i almost feel like i'm perma stoned and <laughs> when the stroke happened 
afterwards and I didn't play music for a few months. Yeah. Uh, somebody had the Grateful Dead channel on and I just went, they have their own channel? They do. And I was never really into the dead and then it all made sense to me after the stroke. It was like, whoa, like Franklin's Tower, all uh -huh. these songs sure. are so beautiful and Robert Hunter's lyrics and the Jerry Garcia's right. playing and then I got me back into Olden in the Way with Jerry uh -huh. Garcia with Grisman yeah. and I'm totally on this Grateful Dead role and it's the most beautiful music to me and I would have never been into them. I was mm -hmm. into the replacements and I was into no, Pavement and all these other bands, which I still love. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. I think Pavement has a little bit of Grateful Deadness to them. I believe so, yeah. Stephen Malkmus. Yeah. I'd and like his to meet solo the stuff. Stephen Steven solo, stu solo stuff with the Jicks. It's brilliant. Fantastic stuff. I need to meet the Malk. But that's the beautiful thing is that, you know, wherever, wherever you are in life, you can always get turned on to new music. There's always something new to learn. You exactly. Know. My thanks again to Steve Poltz for always making time for me. You can follow him on Twitter at, at Steve Poltz. Check it out at Poltz.com. And if he's coming to your town, honestly, go out of your way to get to the show. You will not be disappointed. Before we wrap things up, I do, of course, have your weekly Ear Fuel assignment. For those of you new to the podcast, each week I give an album to listen to in its entirety without any distraction or interruption. It stems from the idea that, for most people, music has become a background task in life. You're driving, you're at work, you're playing games, whatever. And this is about consciously and purposefully listening to music for the sake of music. For the sake of the song, if you will. And yes, that's where we're going with this. This week, since it came up in my conversation with Steve, your ear fuel assignment is the great Towns Van Zant's 1972 masterpiece, High, Low, and In Between. Now, there are many people who will say that Towns Van Zant was one of the two or three greatest lyricists ever, and I will not argue with them. You would be hard-pressed to find someone with a more straightforward, heart-and-soul-on-your-sleeve approach as you do in his words. He was capable of writing with immense heartbreak, but could also lift your spirits in just a few words. That was really the magic of his music, and it never loses its impact. This record has brilliant poetry on it, like the song Mr. Golds and Mr. Mud. Then you've got soaring spirituals like Two Hands. And then, of course, you have the hard luck blues of No Deal. This, this record really covers all of the bases in his catalog. But ask anyone, anyone, anyone who knows Towns, and they will tell you that this record contains the greatest song he ever wrote, and it is called To Live Is To Fly. You may have heard it before. Few songs have nailed the feeling of desolation and loneliness as honestly yet beautifully as you find here. And, and you can tell because there's this true love lying underneath every single word. It's, it's, there's this hesitation or maybe even ambivalence in his words that really gets you. And the song also contains one of my all-time favorite lines when he sings, It don't pay to think too much on the things you leave behind. I love that line. It's a little bit folk, a little bit country, a little bit western, a little bit blues. There's there's just so much going on here. And Towns Van Zandt is just, he's one of those artists that everyone should be well-versed in. And High and Low and In Between is an ideal place to start. So go get on that. Thank me later. So that's all I got for you this week. As always, you can find me on Twitter at, at GetEarFuel and at The Daily Guru. And the podcast lives in the iTunes store and, of course, at SoundCloud.com slash GetEarFuel. And, hey, if you dug things here, go tell a friend or three. That is your weekly Ear Fuel. Share and enjoy. Thank <laughs> you.